we're going to continue to about so that we're going to take a break. Um, we can have the next PowerPoint. Thank you. Thank you. So like Stephen said, he, he's laid some of the theological foundation. Uh, there's a lot in what Stephen has said. You need to go away and listen to the um, recording and to meditate on it and to study it. And it's, it's, it is actually um, something we will work with and from from now on because it actually gives a basis for a lot of things that you do in the prophetic of why you do them. It gives the theological basis for it. And so go and listen to it again and study it out and then you can come back with your questions and we'll look at it some more because it's actually huge. It starts to explode out in many different directions. And I'm going to just give you one small part of that, uh, a foundational part of that um, this morning. Um, and this is not a theory of my life, this is a journey that the Lord has taken me on and since I became a Christian. He's taken me through everything I'll teach you, he's taught it to me. There's very little that I have gleaned from other people simply because there wasn't the understanding of this when the Lord was training me in it. And so I'm, I'm giving you not what I have learned from other people, I'm giving you what the Lord has not just taught me, but he's worked in and through my life over the 40 years that I've, I've known him. And uh, so it's, he's made me a, a word, which is what you have to become when you're uh, being raised up into fivefold ministry. You're not just somebody with a gift or can teach something, you become the word. And in this area, I've become the word because that, that's how the Holy Spirit has taken hold of me and moved through me and burst things through me. So I'm not teaching you something academic. And so if you're sitting out there and I'm saying things and you think, well, you don't understand my situation, I totally understand your situation. I've walked through this when nobody else was doing it. And now it's all over the world. And we teach people about this all over the world because people want to know about it now. Um, whereas I was having to uh, birth something into the earth and I had prophecies that people told me that I was birthing some of these things into the earth. And as have some of the people, like the people in Kansas City, they birthed some of this into the earth. So Stephen's taught this theological background and uh, there are a group of people and they love that. Oh, mentally this satisfies them, but when it comes to the practice, they don't want to practice this. They don't want it flowing out of their life. They want the mental satisfaction of the theology, but they're not interested in actually having that flow released out of their life. That's not any good. Similarly, there are a lot of people in the earth who get very excited about doing 24-7 prayer and worship, but they've no idea what they're doing. Uh, now, the Lord still blesses that and he absolutely loves it, but to track to the fullness of it and the power that this releases and the glory of God that this releases, we, he wants us to understand what we're doing. Because I liken it to this, 
An army that doesn't understand its weapons is very dangerous because they're likely to shoot one another. Whereas an army that's trained and they have weapons that they understand how to clean them, to take them apart, put them back together and to use them, they're really powerful people. And that's the army that the Lord is raising up today. And his army is not like the army in the world. It uses completely different weapons. They're not carnal weapons, Paul said, but they are powerful to the pulling down of strongholds. And so that's what we're going to look at, some of that. What happened in David's tent? You see, when they did stuff in David's tent and they worshipped and they released the glory, David said the glory of God shone out into Israel. And he, David said in the Psalms, he said, shine out, O God, and defeat the enemies. You see, he was the warrior, but he knew that in his just warring on his own, and in his own strength and the strength of his armies, that wasn't doing it for Israel. It was when God shone out of that tent with his glory that that defeated the enemy. And it's when the glory of God shines out through you that defeats the enemy in many different ways. So that's why in this time in which we are living, the Lord has been really um, bringing us an understanding of this righteousness that we have in Christ, and Christ in us, the hope of glory, which Paul talks about. He talks about these two things. He's talking about this garment of righteousness that we're given freely, which is a priestly, kingly robe that's put upon us that enables us to um, do these things and walk out our life. But Christ himself is also now living in us, and he is the one who shines out through us and does the work. And all over the earth, that message is coming again and again and again. Because Jesus wants to not only come down and surround us with his presence and his glory, he wants to fill us with that glory. And not only does he want to just fill us, he wants that glory to shine out through us. Now it's like the flood in the time of Noah. The rain came down, but not only did the rain come down, every well and water source in the whole of the earth opened up. The wells of the deep in the earth opened up. Similarly, we've come to know God's glory and God's presence all around us. And we think about God's presence around us and we're getting to understand and to know that. And that's like the rain coming down and the glory coming down. But there is also that which is to come up from the wells of the deep. And where are the wells of the deep? They're inside you. And the Lord wants that well of Christ in you, the hope of glory, to shine out and to flow out. And some of the ways that happens is in, is in worship and in prayer and in prophecy. The glory can shine out and be released through you. And what happened with David was these worshippers, the glory was shining out through the praises and the worship and the prophecy and the prayer that went on in and around that tent. It was shining right out to the borders of that nation. And so it says in the time of David and then into Solomon, the borders of the kingdom were pushed to the absolute limits. And it wasn't just because of their military capability. It was because the glory of God was being released 
across the nation. And so as we are looking in these days to see uh, a harvest uh, and the, uh, souls across the earth, and as we're looking in these days to see the glory of God filling the earth, the Lord will use the flow of prophecy and the flow of praise and worship and prayer, working together in this tent, flowing out, changing the atmosphere, and as the atmosphere is changed, then the evangelists and the apostles, they go out and there's a reaping of the harvest. These two things go together, just like it says in Amos 9, as there is a restoring of the tent, that's us, and we are restored as the tent in Christ and filled as the tent in Christ, then there can be that bringing in to the very corners of the earth the fullness of the harvest as the glory of the Lord fills the earth. So that's what we're going to look at. So next slide. And first of all, I want to look at some things that, that these things happen in praise and worship. And we can think, well, why and what, what does it do? And um, when the Holy Spirit starts to fill us, then things start to happen. We start raising our hands and we start bowing down and we start clapping. Why does that happen? Well, in the Hebrew uh, language, for, for all the praise and worship words, they are not just a word, they are an action. So I find it really difficult when we are worshipping and we're going, I bless you Lord, I thank you Lord, you are good, and I worship you and I bow down and everybody's like this, because in the Hebrew that's not what these words mean. They've got a full action with them. So, for example, thanksgiving, it's an extended hand. It's like this. It's, it's speaking about surrender. It's speaking about freedom. It's, there's other things the extended hand means. It means when, when you are proclaiming that you extend your hand, it's talking about uh, God is decreeing and proclaiming and swearing that he's doing something. Because when he extends his hand, He's swearing, he's covenanting that he will do something. And in the spirit, the enemy sees that. When God makes a prophetic proclamation, he sees a hand extended and he says, oh, God's really serious about that. He's really going to do it. And banners, these are an extension of that extended hand of proclamation. You see, that word thanksgiving in the New Testament can actually also mean to confess and it means it in the Hebrew as well. Thanksgiving and confession, they go together. Confess and proclaim. Confess means to say the same thing as we're saying the same thing as God is saying. So this Thanksgiving word, it means all of these things. It means to extend the hand. We so thank you, Lord. We so thank you. We so praise you. We extol you. It's like an, when you put your hands up like this, it's like you're open to the Lord. You're opening yourself to Him. If you have an action like this, you don't feel open. You don't feel free. So just stand up a minute. Now you put yourself like this. What do you feel like? 
And what does your spirit, now your spirit's down here. It says that your spirit is in your inner man. Out of your inner man will flow rivers of living water. Out of your womb, out of your belly, will flow rivers of living water. So we can, we can sometimes sense our spirit down here, not just in our mental head, but here, down here. And like there's a well in there, but when you do this, you feel constricted, don't you? Now you'll never sink like that, because you can't get a flow coming out of that. But when you do that, it releases freedom. You feel free, and you feel something's opening up down here. You, you are open to the Lord. And that's, a, that's freedom. Now I was hearing somebody, and you can sit down, I was hearing somebody telling me, um, just at the end of last year, that this movement, if you do that every day, this movement, psychologists, they are saying this movement, they can physically tell and physically do tests that that changes your chemistry in your body to well-being. When you're not walking around like this, when you are like this, it changes the very physical chemicals in your body to chemicals of well-being rather than chem chemicals of depression. So this has many benefits when you put your body in the right position. And the Spirit of God in you naturally will cause you to do that when he's filling you up. It's quite amazing. And we're going, no, 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 I can't, I can't, I can't. And in actual fact, it's totally biblical to give thanks. So when we sing this song, give thanks with a grateful heart, we give thanks with a grateful heart. That's just not what the psalmist were doing. They were give thanks with a grateful heart. And everything in them started to open up. And everything, even physically in them, started to change and be different. It's amazing. Now the worship word, when we sing I worship you, Lord, we're standing there, I worship you, I worship you. That word in both Hebrew and in the Greek is a prostrate word, lying flat on the floor. If there's so much presence of God, you can't actually stand up. But we sing it, we sing about worship, and we're standing up and thinking of something else, and we're not. If you engage your body, the whole of you starts to worship. And the Lord said, worship with your mind, worship with your soul, worship with your body, worship with your heart, worship with your whole being. And as you actually position yourself according to the words, you actually start to do the motion. Everything starts to align. It's quite amazing. It makes a big difference. The word bless, actually comes from the word ni in Hebrew, and it means you, you're kneeling down. So when we're singing, I bless you, Lord, I bless you, Lord, we're all doing it like this. It's actually kneeling down, is that word. Then to rejoice actually means to twirl around. That's this really dancing word, full of joy and rejoicing, and twirling means to twirl around. Next slide. So that's just some examples. That's actually in here. 
um, where we had some worship at one of the Clan Women conferences. That's some photographs from that. That was worship that was actually going on in here. Now in heaven, heaven is full of colour. Heaven is not black and white. Heaven is full of dynamic worship that is awesome. Yes, sometimes it's quiet, but there's crescendos and there's colour. And we're praying what the prayer that Jesus told us to pray, on earth as in heaven. So the worship is on earth as in heaven. And there's a working with heaven and there's a working with the angels to actually flow together with what's in heaven and bring it to the earth. That's why this is strong prophetic dynamic because we are actually seeing and hearing and sensing and feeling and knowing what's happening in heaven so that we can release it on the earth. I remember a number of years ago in the church in the north, we had a prophet with us and uh, he'd been speaking, it was one Sunday evening, and uh, the Lord gave me a prophetic song and I started to sing this song and I started to sing that we were worshipping with the angels. And then all the young people, they went on the balcony and they were waving banners. And then this prophet said, yeah, he said, before you were doing that, I saw the angels doing this worship exactly like you started to do it. And uh, he saw the angels with all the banners. And so we actually had joined with heaven and the, the prophetic anointing had enabled us to sense and catch what was happening with the angels and what heaven was bringing to release um, that evening. So next slide. So when we use these banners, they're an extension and they're a proclamation. And when you study out banners, which is another, which is another message, you are actually a banner. You are the banner. Because Son of Solomon tells us that the army that came out of the intimacy of the bride with the bridegroom um, and she was a worshipper and she was intimacy which it led to an army they were terrible with banners they were fearful with banners what does the banner mean? it's talking about proclamation it's talking about proclaiming things not just waving something um, you know um, sometimes they might be singing or something and somebody's waving a pink banner which means nothing you know um, I don't like it when people wave banners it, it's completely contradicting what the worship is and the praise and the declaration is talking about. But it's an extension, it proclaims something. Um, I remember I was waving in a, a banner in one worship seminar I was helping with and I cracked this banner and one of the leaders, when I say I crack it, I moved it very deliberately like that. And uh, one of the leaders told me afterwards that somebody had come to them and when I cracked that banner, somebody was healed. Why was that? It's because it's a weapon and when you know what you're doing with it, it says in Romans 6, present your bodies as um, instruments to the Lord. What word instrument means a weapon. When you give him your body in worship and in movement, you become a weapon that can see people set free, that can see people saved, that can see the glory of God released. And so these, these colours, they mean things. So red is talking about the cross and the blood and the cleansing of the blood and the finished work of Jesus. Blue speaks.
about an open heaven and the Holy Spirit coming down and therefore indirectly prophecy. And you've got gold, it speaks of the glory of God and the nature of God. And green, it speaks of life and it speaks of healing. Um, it speaks of the leaves for the healing of the nations. Purple is obviously royalty and kingship and authority. White's righteousness and its purity. And orange is passion and fire. And I can teach you all about where you find those meanings. You can find them in the scripture. Um, just look them up in a concordance and you study it through and you find out what these symbols mean. So if somebody's singing about healing, yes, you can wave a red banner. Yes, you can wave uh, a green banner, but you, you wouldn't really be waving a pink banner uh, or a brown banner. And if somebody's uh, singing about fire and glory, you would use the gold banners, you would use the orange banners, you would use something that reflects the proclamation that's coming forth. I remember being in one prophetic meeting and a uh, apostolic meeting, and suddenly I saw the room go red in the spirit, in the worship. And I knew the Lord was saying that the atmosphere in Scotland was going red, that was a revelation of the finished work of Jesus being released. And immediately, somebody very skilled in banner and dance, they started, without knowing what I was saying, to move around the room and, and release the red banner all over the room. You see, when we're in the spirit, we, the spirit's saying the same thing, and we start to flow in one. And uh, not long later, a prophet, if, if I said their name, you would know who they were. They also spoke the same word over Scotland, that Scotland, the atmosphere was turning red at that time with a revelation of the finished work of Jesus. Now, tambourines, um, now we're going on to instruments. They have a voice. Instruments have a voice, a prophetic voice. You can see that, uh, as Stephen was saying, these worshippers in David's tabernacle, they used instruments and they prophesied on their instruments. Because you are the instrument, then the instrument is an extension of you. You cannot be, it not, you have to release it yourself and then it's released through the instrument. You're not separate from that instrument. So it, there's a flow of the spirit through you as the instrument, which can then come out through whatever tool you're using. So a tambourine, when you study it out, it's the joy. You know, Miriam, she went out as a prophetess and she, they were dancing for joy and victory with, with a tambourine. So it speaks of joy, it speaks of victory, it speaks of rejoicing. But then it also, it's like clapping. It's part of the clap, is the tambourine. And uh, it says in the Psalms that they would clap, and they would clap like this, and I'll have to put the microphone down. They were crowning the king. So when we're clapping, when we're doing it like that, we're exalting the kingship of Jesus, that he's Lord. Now when they would clap like this in warfare, natural, I'll come out there, then you can see it. When they would clap like that, that 
that was mocking the enemy and saying, you are defeated. And they would do that in war. So that's putting the clap low down and with the stamp of the foot. It's saying the enemy you're under my feet. So there's those two different aspects of using tambourines and using the, the clap. Of course, the clap is of joy. Another thing they would use a clap for was it is part of a proclamation, and it would be like this. They would be something, and it's like an insistence to go with that. So instead of stretching out the hand with the proclamation, they were clapping with it to insist on the proclamation. So then we've got wind instruments, so that's easy to understand. When you release like a flute, it's a breath of God being released, a, a, a wind of God being released through the wind instruments. Stringed instruments can release many forms of joy, they're quite diverse, they can release many different um, moods and emotions and, and words from the Lord. Drums remind you of like a thundering of God. They can be for joy, they can be for war. Uh, we were, just the other week, we were in a nation and we were doing something like this and we got people, uh, to the whole team, to a place where they could make prophetic proclamations over their city and over their nation. And they were using banners and they were using prophecy and proclamation and movement. And suddenly we got so far into it and I thought, I can hear the sound of the drums, we need the drums. And before I could even say it, the next group, they were drumming um, with the release of their proclamation. This is a hearing of the sounds of heaven so that we can, and we are then asking, how can I release that sound into the earth? And if we have some sort of understanding of how these instruments and how these banners and how our movements can release that into the earth, we can start to work with heaven to see what we are seeing and hearing um, and sensing released. And your body becomes a tool, an instrument and a weapon in the hand of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's not just your voice, your whole being is involved in this form of prophetic worship. Um, trumpets, trumpets, if you study them out in scripture, it's like, Proclamation and prophecy. They blew these trumpets when they went around the walls of Jericho. A story I've got on that is we're in one nation and we've been asked to speak at a national prophetic conference in that nation. And so there were prophets from all over the nation and they asked us to speak about these things that we're talking to you about today. And um, after it, we were in some worship and suddenly this man stands up. And he starts to pray for a particular nation, and because we are recording this, I'm not saying the nation. Uh, and he was praying for this nation, and I'm thinking, why is he praying for that nation? Because we were like at the other side of the earth from that nation. I mean, why is he doing that? And as I'm asking that question, I got a vision of that nation, which is a closed nation, and I saw the walls around that nation coming down, and uh, the people in that nation, full of God, flooding out into the earth from that nation. And uh, at the same time, one of the leaders of the conference comes to me and said, I've just had a vision, and he'd had exactly the same vision. Now this nation, very skilled with instruments, 
They are taught, everyone is taught in that nation to play instruments from very, very small. They're, they're super skilled with instruments and music. And at that moment that this man was praying that we'd seen this vision of the walls falling down around that nation, they took up shofars. A shofar is like a ram's horn. And these were long ram's horns that they were blowing. Um, and it's a very hard instrument to, to play and to blow and to make it have the right sound. And they had about four or six of these all blowing at the same time. But it was exactly what we'd seen because it was like Jericho and the walls were coming down literally and spiritually for that nation. So we know something was done for that nation and there was the use of trumpets to see the, the walls come down in the spirit so that the walls can come down in the natural. Next slide. So carrying on from what Stephen was saying, in 1 Peter 2 verse 5, Peter talks about this and he's not talking about it just like a thought out of his head. He's speaking this scripture out of a knowledge of Acts 15 where they've had that council where they've decided that the understanding of what's going to happen with the Gentiles is um, described um, in the Tabernacle of David. He's speaking and this understanding of the new covenant uh, and the flow from the Davidic covenant into the new covenant. This is why Peter is saying this. It's not just a nice thought that he's had or his own thought. It's an understanding of this revelation of the tabernacle of David and the new covenant. So that's why he says, 1 Peter 2, 5, You yourselves, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God uh, by Jesus Christ. Verse 9, you are a chosen race, a kingly or royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for a possession, that you might set forth the excellences of him who has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So we are kings and priests, but we're not kings and priests after the order of Aaron. We're kings and priests after the order of Melchizedek. And there is this understanding we can gain of what that means and what that looks like from uh, the whole understanding of David's tent. And that's what Peter's talking about. Um, and so we have these sacrifices and it's no longer animal sacrifices. Jesus, as Hebrews tells us, is this once and for all sacrifice. There are no other sacrifices ever now. Jesus has made it. And so the only sacrifices are these sacrifices that we as priests can bring. The sacrifices of joy, Psalms 27. Sacrifices of thanksgiving, Psalm 107. Our bodies are... Uh, given as a living sacrifice, Romans 12, which is called our spiritual worship. So, yes, we think about our, giving our bodies as a living sacrifice, and we think, yeah, we're giving our whole lives. But it actually literally means to give your body as well, and to give your body in worship, as well as your mind and your, your mouth uh, and, and your heart, but to give your body in worship. Uh, sacrifices of praise in Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. That's talking about um, the writer, 
book of Hebrews, he's saying uh, that Jesus has done all this. He is now the king of righteousness. This is what the whole book of Hebrews is about. That there's a new law, there's a new covenant, and there's a better sacrifice. Everything is better, everything is new. And he says, therefore, the sacrifices that you can offer are sacrifices of praise. And you can and confession and thanksgiving. That's what that uh, verse in Hebrews is talking about. And he also talks about in that um, verse in Hebrews, it says the sacrifices of fellowship, of partnership, and unity. And that's talking about our together and also unity and partnership with the Lord, with the Holy Spirit. It's, it's talking about sacrifices of giving. You know, when it talks about prayer, it often talks about giving in the same verse. They go together. Uh, and it talks about good works and about sharing, giving. These are the new... Uh, covenant sacrifices that we, we give to the Lord. And it's not a work, and it's not to get us brownie points with heaven or to get us to heaven. It's an outflow of the Holy Spirit in us. It's an outflow of the grace and the pleasure of the Lord that he's put in us and on us. That, that's the place from which we worship. We're not trying to please the Lord through the worship. We are uh, expressing thanksgiving and love and relationship with him. Um, next slide. That's what you look like on the inside. That's who you are. You see, Israel, they followed the cloud and they followed the pillar of fire. But now that cloud and that fire and that glory, they're on the inside of you. In the time of David even, they saw that glory of that mercy seat shining in that tent but now that mercy seat is your heart and the blood is put on that mercy seat and then the glory of god comes to live on the inside of you and you're all glorious on the inside psalm 45 when it's speaking about the bridegroom and the bride it says that the queen she's all glorious on the inside so i just want before we take the break just look up let's take a look by faith uh, on the inside of you that you are like that on the inside you're full of glory you're full of fire you're full of the fragrance of Jesus you're full of treasure that he's put on the inside of you because it's not about you you are a new creation in Christ he's made all things new on the inside and there's all that glory and all that power and all that treasure and all that fragrance on the inside of you. And the Lord, by the Spirit, wants to show us how we can release that as is on me. And that's what we're going to talk about uh, after the break. So we're going to take a break till 11.50 and then we'll uh, see some of this glory released out through us. Okay. Oh yeah, we'll have the, video, the videos on. Um, what I've got is I've got some videos that took, they, they show some creative expressions of both worship and media and instruments. So just some examples. 
Uh, quite a lot of them are of people that we've trained in the pathetic, and then they are moving in the creative arts, but they've been trained in the pathetic, and out from that, they're moving in the creative arts. And so you'll see that. You can look at that now, and you can look at it at lunchtime. It will be playing. But you're welcome to get the coffee.